0: tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is The Veil, the Resurrection, and the Letters. The Veil, the Resurrection, and the Letters. That's the title. Look at the person next to you and say, The Veil. veil. Say it real loud. The Veil, the the Resurrection, and the Letters. Uh, Those are the three major points that we're going to tackle. Let's talk about the veil straight away. Uh, In Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 and 51, it reads like this, that then Jesus shouted. This is when he is hanging on the cross. Then Jesus shouted. And when he did... The veil in the sanctuary was torn from top to bottom. You can shout me down in a minute. It was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split open. Let me say that again and and just encourage me this morning. Jesus is hanging on the cross. There were multitudes following Him around for three years. But at the cross, those multitudes were nowhere to be found. They were either scared that they were going to hang on the cross next, or they stopped believing in Him. So there was not nearly as many followers as there were fans. So Jesus is hanging on the cross, and the Bible says that he shouts again. Uh, there's some versions of the Bible that says that he cried out. But whether, regardless of what word you use, it came from his soul. He, he cried out. He shouted out. And every single person that was at the foot of the cross... They felt the earth shake. They saw rocks split in half just by the sound of his voice. But what I want to just kind of focus on just for a moment are all the people that were not at the foot of the cross. When all of a sudden they're just eating with their family, they've forgotten about the things of God. Their heart had grown cold, they become disenchanted with God. They, they can take it or leave it. it. It was good for the time, but now that they've matured, pursuing God is just, it, they're indifferent. Have you ever met somebody who's indifferent about the things of God? They, they, they know that, hey, I know he's there. I love him. He loves me. And, and, and I know I'm going to heaven, uh, but they're indifferent i got a startling scripture that's going to really bother you. It's going to bother you. Look at the person next to you and say, just brace yourself. Just, <laughs> just brace yourself. Do you know that people who are lukewarm, they do not go to heaven. They do not go to heaven. They believe Jesus. They believe in God. But they're not on fire for him. And they're also not cold. They don't throw them away. But they're not on fire, but they don't throw them away. They're just kind of somewhere in the middle. They're lukewarm. Do you know these people do not go to heaven? If you know anyone who's lukewarm, you've got to pray for them. Because they are not going to heaven. They, they believe in the Lord, but they're not passionate about Him. They acknowledge Him, but they're not passionate about Him. Uh, They don't completely ignore them, but they're not passionate. These people are not going to heaven. They're not going to heaven. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 16, Because you are neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Uh, You know, I'm I'm sorry for the teachers that have taught uh, false theology. That that once you have uh, 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 you you've said Romans ten nine if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God's raised him from the dead you shall be saved. They've they've taught that message. They've taught that verse in pieces. Uh, in pieces. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's the Lord of your life. He's the Lord. He's the, he's the Lord of your life. He's come on, help me out. Help me out. He's the Lord of your life. He's the Lord of your life. They just kind of focus on your words. They focus on words. But the, the Bible says in, in Revelation, man, I'm really digressing, but I feel like the Lord's pulling me in that direction. Is this okay? I'll get back to my sermon in just a minute. But in in Revelation chapter 2 verse 1, he's talking to the church of... Um, uh, Ephesus. He's talking to the church of Ephesus. And and he says this, and I think it's like in verse 4 or 5. He says this. He goes, you have, you no longer love me as you once did. Turn back. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back and do the things that you once did. If you do not repent, then your lampstand will be taken out from among the churches. He says, Do the things, the things. Everybody say things on three. One, two, three. The things that you once did. The, The things. You say, I'm not saved by works. No, but your works tell everybody what decision you have made, it tells everybody. And so, there once was a time, though, there, there once was a time when only the priests could talk to God. People would come to the priest. They would come to Moses or they would come to uh, Aaron and, and they would give him their requests. And, and, and Moses or, or another priest would come back and forth and talk to God. I was in uh, Costa Rica, one of my favorite places to preach. I've seen more miracles in Costa Rica. Not more miracles. I've seen the most miracles here in our church. But the most mind-blowing miracles in Costa Rica. Well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> There's nothing I've seen in Costa Rica that I haven't seen here. Can we put our hands together for that? But there's in Costa Rica, when I speak to them, the audience that I'm looking at, by and large, they're all Catholic. And I say, you can call yourself Catholic all you want to. Just make sure you're praying to Jesus and you're inviting the Holy Spirit. And they're like, okay, we can do that. I said, stop praying to figurines and statues and crosses. Pray to Jesus. They're like, yes, we can do that. I said if you can do that, you can call yourself Catholic all you want to. I don't care you can call yourself, you know, Fruity Tootie. You can call yourself Donald Duck. I don't care what you call yourself. But while I'm preaching, these people they come up to me afterwards and they say, We didn't know that you could read the scriptures. We thought only the priests could read the scriptures. We didn't know that we could do that. When, the, when, when in the tabernacle, let me show you an image uh, of the tabernacle. This is what the, the tabernacle looked like. I hope I don't get in your way, but there, there was the outer court, the holy place, and the holies of holies. And, and there was a veil that separated the sanctuary, the holy place, from the holy of holies. Only the priests could go back there. Only the priests could step behind the curtain, and they could only do it one time a year. If anyone else got behind that curtain, other than a priest, they would be struck down and dead. And then all of a sudden, when Jesus cried out, when he shouted out, all of a sudden, that, that, that veil was torn, which means anybody, come on, say, anybody, anybody can come before him. Anybody. Anybody? Can you imagine all the people that were close to the temple? Can you imagine all the people that didn't want to go to the foot of the cross? And all of a sudden they're feeling the earth shake. All of a sudden they're hearing rocks crack. Have you ever taken a rock and thrown it against the sidewalk? Anyone? No? Okay. There's a sound there. It's a pop. Can you imagine all the rocks popping at the same time? All of a sudden you start realizing, uh uh-oh, I think we guessed wrong. I think we made the wrong decision. We should have stayed with that man because I think that man is also God. He tore the veil. I say all that just to say this. My first point is just to say this. That when the veil was up, only the priests could come near. But all of us, all the rest of the people had to stay at a distance. They were not invited to come close. But now you have been invited. You, you, you have been invited. And I believe that one of the saddest things on the earth today is when people treat God as if the veil is still up they stay at a distance and i thought about why do people stay at a distance and and i had to just kind of think for a moment when you have committed sins recently you stay at a distance when you've done something in your past that is deeply regrettable, you stay at a distance. When you haven't worshipped in a while, you stay at a distance. It, it, you feel distant, so why not just stay distant? When you've been fighting the same battles over and over again, and you're just tired and embarrassed of telling God, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for this, and you said this, that you have asked for, to be forgiven a thousand times, you stay at a distance. Am I talking to anybody? Say yes. Come on, help me out. You stay at a distance. Even though the veil is torn, there's a little bit of fear there. I remember when our church, before we had a building, we were at the Woodlands High School. And uh, there was a family uh, that I just dearly loved them. And, and they had a little girl. Her name was Chloe. Um, and and I I loved to hug her. She had these cheeks, I'll never forget. And uh I came up behind her to hug her, and at that moment she turned around, and all of a sudden she saw my face right in front of her face, and I scared her, and she went ah and ran. And from that moment forward, the moment I was inside 20 feet should run it was killing me when i tell you she was the cutest girl in the world she was the cutest girl in the world she was just a uh, she's a, uh, it was uh, her cheeks i can't even explain it her cheeks and and all i wanted to do is just pick her up I, I like i had gum in my pocket like i would lure her let me hug you Let me hug you. Come here. I was like the guy where, you know, run and scream. I was like, come here. I got candy. (laughs) And it was all because of that one moment where she got afraid. And when she got afraid, she, she she never came near me again. And what's so fascinating is that I saw she came to church and now she's like 20 or 21 years old and, and, and she sits over there from time to time. And when we see each other now, she gives me this big hug. She gives me a big hug. And, 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 but there was a large stretch there where she was very unsure and afraid of the relationship. I just want to say, don't be unsure and afraid of the relationship. The Bible says that he knows your frame. He knows, think about a frame of a picture. He knows your frame. It's in, it's in Psalms 103, verse 10. He says, I know your frame. I remember that you are made from dust. And so when you look at yourself i want you to think to yourself god you knew i was not capable of being perfect anyway you knew my frame you knew my boundaries and and i tried to be perfect but it's my boundaries i'm i'm made of dust you knew you knew and the resurrection that's what I want to say. It's in Acts chapter 13, verse verse uh, 38 and 39. It says, through him, we have forgiveness of our sins. Through him, and then it says this, everyone is forgiven of everything this is the resurrection so we got the veil where he says okay i want all of you i want all of you to come come to me i want all of you to come to me i want you to talk to me i don't care what you've been done what you've done i don't care i don't care and to prove it he rose from the grave saying that all the death all the sin that should be coming upon you all the judgment that should be coming upon it's All forgiven. Do you know that Jesus was resurrected before you were born? He looked into the future and he saw you and he knew that you are made from dust. And he said, there is absolutely no way that this daughter, that this son is going to be able to live for me righteously. And so I'm going to pay the price right now so that they can walk through the veil. So they can walk through the veil. Can you put your hands together for that? I'm I'm begging you. I'm begging you to walk through the veil. How do you walk through the veil? Let me get super practical. Walking through the veil is is 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Never, ever, ever stop praying. Never. It's one of the shortest verses, but it's, it might be one of the most important verses. It says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Now, oftentimes, the last uh, verse that we memorized was like 20 years ago. So we're going to memorize that verse together. Okay? Don't say it yet. I'm going to say it to you. It says, never stop praying. Okay. On the count of three, one, two, three. So you just memorize the verse that fast. You guys are good. You're good. Give yourself a round of applause. First Thessalonians 5.17, never. You pray in your head. You pray while you're brushing your teeth. You pray when you're in a meeting. You pray when you're driving. You pray when you're walking down the hall. You pray when you're in bed. You pray when you're going to sleep. You pray when you wake up. You never, ever, 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 ever stop praying. When you do that, you have said, thank you for ripping the veil. I'm coming in. And every time you think about something negative about yourself, every time you think, just know that thought is not from God. That thought is straight from hell. There is a demon that took an arrow and went right to your thoughts to tell you something negative about you. And that's when you respond and just say, "I that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. When you agree with a lie, you are inviting the spirit of the liar. Do not agree. Do not agree. You say, well, it's true. The thought I had was true. Look, every single lie has an element of truth. Otherwise, nobody would believe it. Are you with me? So the fact that there's an element of truth back... Who cares? Everybody say, who cares on three? One, two, three? It doesn't matter! Who cares? Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for walking with me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for the anointing. Thank you, Jesus, that you knew I was dust. Thank you, Jesus! You know... um, I find it fascinating. Before the resurrection, the Holy Spirit only came upon people for a certain amount of time and then came off. For example, Samson. The Holy Spirit came upon him three times that we know of. And all three times he killed something that was attacking him. In all three. The first time he killed a lion. Can you imagine that? Just taking a lion? The second time he killed 30 Philistines. In the moment, people who watch boxing matches, it's, it's one against one. Can you imagine one against 30? That, that's impressive until you hear the next story. He killed a thousand by himself. Can you imagine a thousand people around you in a circle? You're in the middle and you win? That's like a mic drop. Boom. Like, what now? The Spirit of the Lord just comes upon a person. But after the resurrection, the Spirit of the Lord can be inside of a person. That sat inside of the person. The veil was torn. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. And then it's like, not only do I want you to talk to me, uh, my Spirit is going to be in you. In you so that you can do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. That's, that's the key. And the, the last point I want to talk about. Is this helping anybody say yes? The last thing I want to talk about are the letters. There's, there was letters that the Lord sent to us. You know, have you ever said, God, can you just make it crystal clear what you want? I think the most popular prayer is, God, if you just tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. Raise your hand and put your hand up for that. Just tell me. I don't want to be disobedient. I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to make the wrong decision. If you want me to go right, I'll go right. If you want me to go left, I'll go left. Just tell me. My God, just tell me. Are you with me? Say yes. So he sends a letter crystal clear black and white. He sends, he sends seven letters in, in uh, the book of Revelation. Um, is it seven letters? Somebody help me. Seven letters? Thank you. Seven letters. In particular, I want to talk about the letter that he sent to the church of Philadelphia. This is in uh, Revelation chapter seven. I'm sorry, chapter three, verses seven and eight. It says this. This message is from the sovereign Lord. Here's John writing, this message is from the sovereign Lord, the one who is true and holy, who holds the key of David. Why is that important? Because it says this in the next sentence in verse eight, the doors that he opens, actually it says what he opens. I really like that. What he opens, no man can close. Any opportunity that you think someone's going to take away from you, it's impossible. It is impossible. What he opens, no man can close. What he closes, no man can open. And then here comes my favorite part, where he goes like this. I know all the things you do. I know every word you've said in the last 12 hours. I've known every thought you said in the last 12 hours. I know everything you do. And then watch this. This is, this is how he reacts to everything you've done. I have opened up a door for you that no man can close. Think about this. He goes, you have little strength. Isn't that freeing? That's so freeing. Now that that's opened and in the public and everybody knows, I do have little strength. I do. Thanks for saying that. I didn't want to say it myself. I I do have little strength. Thank you for telling me. But then watch this. But you have not denied me and you have kept my word. You, You have little strength, but doggone it, you keep trying. You have you have little strength, but you keep pursuing me. You have little strength, but you keep on praying. You have little strength, but you keep showing up to church. Regardless of how discouraged you, you keep showing up. You keep showing up. Come on, you keep is there anyone here who just keeps showing up? you you, you get discouraged, you get down, but you just keep showing up. Come on, you keep showing up says, you, 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 I know everything, I know, all, I know everything about you. And I know that you have little strength. The things you want to do, you don't do. And the things that you wish you didn't do, you end up doing. I know you have little strength. You have not denied me, and you've kept my word to the best of your ability, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to open up a door for you that no man can close. Come on! Come on! He, He tore the veil and said, come on, come talk to me. He rose again to say, I know the sins that you have. Don't worry about it. I've taken care of it come talk to me. And then he says, I know you have little strength. I know you do. But you haven't denied me. Would you all put your hands together for God? That's how good he is. That's how good he is. Let me, let me share with you a, a miracle that he did recently. We're going to play a video in just a moment. And I always like to share a testimony of a healing or a miracle right before we go to ask God to do a miracle in this room. Right before, because this is this, in, in, in Revelation 19 verse 10. It says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you talk about what Jesus has already done, you're actually talking about what he's about to do. Isn't that awesome? So as you're watching this testimony, I just want you to know, man, he moved pow- I haven't seen this video. I don't know what video they're about to play. I, the way he moved in her life or his life, that's a miracle. He's about to do a miracle in my life. Just, he's about to do it in my life. Everybody can believe for a miracle in someone else's life, but a miracle in your own life, now that's a little bit challenging. But when you, say, when you watch this testimony, you just say, he's going to do a miracle in my life. If it's a healing, if it's financial, if it's your marriage, whatever it is, take a look at this and let the Lord build your faith. Stand up and give Jesus a standing ovation. Come on, give it to him. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, mean it. Thank you, Jesus. Mean it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, I remember, let me say this for those of you who are new. He he mentioned a word of knowledge. A, a prophetic word is when the Lord tells you or tells me, what's going to happen in the future. Sometimes it's a dream. Sometimes it's an impression. But a word of knowledge is when the Lord tells you or he tells me, I, keep, I want to emphasize that because the veil has been torn. I might be considered a minister or in those days a priest. You and I walk through the same veil. So he talks to both of us the same way. But a word of knowledge is what he wants to do right this minute. That's the difference. And about this time of the service, I, I asked the Lord, I just like, speak to me, speak to me. Who do you want me, Frankie, to pray for? Because we've got almost 100 prayer partners. Some of them are in this service. Some of them are in the next service. But who do you want me to pray for? And again, most of the healings happen from our prayer partners. But who do you want me to pray for? And when he tells me, that's a word of knowledge. Now, if I say who I want to pray for and nobody raises their hand, then that means they're either online and if it's you, you just have to claim it. But what I say in front of all of you to keep myself accountable is I say, well, I guess I missed it. Now, if you're watching online, We get testimonies all the time from people who are watching online and they're healed. And and you're sitting there and you're looking at their screen and you're saying, Frankie, you didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. It's me. And so in that case, you just believe and, and receive it. But for accountability's sake, I say, well, I guess that was me talking to me. I thought it was God, but it was me. I have to be honest in front of you. But... When I'm right and that person raises their hand and they come out of their seat and they let me pray for them. I don't embarrass them. They just come out of their seat, they stand right here and then after the service, I pray for them. When I'm right, that the probability of them being completely healed is like 100%. In this case, and this is happening more and more, Before I ever get a chance to lay my hands on them, while they're standing in their seat, they get healed. Now, let me say this. For the people that do not raise their hand, I don't know what happens to you. I don't know, because I'm not a part of that story. I have no idea. I have no idea. But I do know that everybody in the room their faith does not have an opportunity to rise. Because if you raise your hand, everyone in the room gets to see a spiritual gift in action. They get to see it in action. So you raising your hand encourages everybody in the room. Is there someone here named Eric that I need to pray for? It just, it just came to my mind. And if, if they're not here, but you have a child name Eric. I just need you to raise your hand at, at, at this point. Just raise your hand. Is it you? Come down here. Come down here. Just, it just came straight to my mind. The Lord's going to do a, a miracle in Eric's life. Just come stand right here. Just, just, just stand right here. And see that moment where all of a sudden he raised his hand and the the faith of the room just went up because you saw a gift operate. And let me say this for anyone here who's skeptical, do not think less of yourself. You're skeptical because you're a human being and your faith has just not risen yet. Just keep giving God an opportunity. Keep coming, and there will be this moment where all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will confirm within you that what I'm saying is true. Would you just raise your hands in this room because I feel like I need all the prayer partners to come down, please, all the prayer partners. I feel like God's going to do a variety of things. He's going to do a variety of things this morning. Come on, just raise your hands in this room. Is there someone with your, your left lung? Maybe you've seen a doctor and you know it's your left lung. Or you or you just a doctor hasn't told you but you know and you need God to heal right here. Wave your hand if it's you. Left lung. Is that anyone in this room? I'm going to say a couple in a row right now and and one of them could be a little awkward. And so I'm going to I'm going to sandwich it with some ones that are not awkward. So that way nobody knows and it gives you comfortability to come down. This While I was talking just now, I started moving my ankle around like this, my right ankle. Number two, is there someone here who has something in their breast that's really concerning them? I'll have a lady pray for you. And number three, pain on this right side above your hip. So if you're any one of those three, any one of those three, I just want you to come out of your seat right now. Your right ankle. Something's been found in your breast that's concerning you. And pain above your hip, under your, under your lungs. Just come stand right here. Shoulder to shoulder. One, two, three, four. Come on down. Come stand right here. The Lord's going to heal you. That's it. Come stand right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Thank you, Jesus. Now we've got prayer partners from one side of the room all the way to the other. I'll tell you what we've been seeing lately. I don't want this to freak out any visitors. But the devil is a real thing. And he causes people to be oppressed and depressed, full of anxiety and fear, and anger and lust and addictions. And you know if a devil's been tormenting you, you know, you know it. Nobody has to tell you. You know it. And for the past four weeks, we have seen amazing deliverances right here at the altar. Some of you in this room, you're the most important person. It's not healing. It's not deliverance. But if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. The Bible says if you're ashamed of God in front of man, he will be ashamed of you in front of the Father. If it's you in this room, I want you to come down. I want you to come down. And the very last thing, I believe God wants to heal marriages. And I want to know the testimony. That after a prayer partner prayed for you, within 24 hours, you notice a difference in your marriage. I want you to email the church. Tell me about it. It'll encourage me. So go ahead and come out of your seats, if you will. B.B., Sarah, and Miriam, I want you guys to pray with me. We have a lot of ladies down here. And one, two, three, four, five. Um, that's four and five. I want you guys to come pray with me. Just get in front of each lady. I'm going to pray with the ladies, but I want you to pray with me. Come right over here. This one right here. Uh, don't start praying yet, though. Don't start praying yet. I want to pray with you. Go ahead and come out of your seats right now. Come find a prayer partner. we got prayer partners everywhere. You know if you need to come down. I'm not going to try to manipulate you. I'm not going to try to play with your emotions. You know if you need to come down. And I'll tell you, if you know you need to come down and pray and you don't, I'm so sorry you've made that decision. I am so sorry you've made that decision. There's going to be no official dismissal in this room. For those of you that don't come down, would you entertain the presence of the Lord? Would you just raise your hands if you would and entertain the presence of God? May the Lord bless you. Please, nobody leave. Please, nobody leave until we at least sing this song one or two times through. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.